I'm Jackie Mitchell. Good to have your company today. As the father of modern management, Peter F. Drucker said, until we can manage time, we can manage nothing else. It's certainly something we all have in common. So today's show is all about time management. As business people, it is a topic we have probably read a book on, done a course on, use a daily planner to organise, prioritise and schedule our day. Why with this knowledge and these gadgets, you may ask, do I still feel like I can't get everything done I need to? Time is always one of the biggest challenges for business owners, particularly small business owners. Today we're going to find out how to manage our time better with our experts. We have a time management expert, uh, a life coach and a time management teacher. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends at a very organised eView Real Estate. Both our next guests here are, are experts in their field. Our first guest is one of Australia's leading time management experts. She is the time management expert on Koshy's Business Builders, which you would have seen the television show on. She is a published author. I have her book right here, which I'm looking forward to reading. Her name is Kate Christie. A very warm welcome to Taking Care of Business, Kate. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Good to have you here. I like the name of your business, Time Stylers. I like it too. I think it, um, it's nice because I think we think about being styled in terms of our look, but I think it's important to be styled in terms of our time as well. Oh, I like that very much. Now, you say, uh, which I like, I read this about you, you help busy people manage their time smarter defined 30 hours plus of lost time a month. That's a lot of time. It is. It is, but it's doable, Jackie, and it's it's definitely doable for your listeners in a business sense, but also in a home sense. So how did you come up with 30 hours? Look, it was probably a conservative figure. Um, having worked with hundreds and hundreds of time-poor people, um, I've never not found them that amount of time. Um, however, you mm. don't want to sort of be too outrageous in your statements as to how much time you can get back. Yeah. Um, and that was actually a reasonable amount of time to get back. When you think about it, it's an hour a day um, and it, it's it's very doable. Um, yeah, it's so possible. Easily, it? it could have been 40 or 50 hours, just depending on how committed you are to managing your time smarter. Yeah, and, and having an awareness. Now, you've been doing this for five years, but b- prior to that, you were a lawyer. And I found that interesting transition. What, why the transition from law to now time management? Um, my background um, was as a lawyer and then working um, in corporate, in a corporate role and um, loved my job, fantastic career and, um, you know, pretty much had everything I wanted and was very ambitious and was climbing up the ladder. Um, and then I had three babies in three and a half years mm. and um, it just became more of a juggle to have all of the bits that I wanted and what I realized was obviously I was not alone in that struggle I had many many colleagues and and people around me predominantly at that time women who were struggling to juggle their time and I decided to opt out of my career and focus on managing my time smarter but with that you know came the skills to help me help others manage their time smarter what's the most common mistake or common problem that busy people have with managing their time? The most common thing without a doubt is that people just don't know where their time goes. Mm. If you ask a busy person, how was your day? Oh, really busy. 
I, I had heaps of meetings. I was on the go. You know, I'm just rushing from one thing to the next. I feel like I'm on a treadmill. Every day is the same. Okay, so what did you actually do today? And they won't be able to tell you in detail. And that is the most common thing. Um, if you don't know what you're spending your time on each day, if you don't know in detail what the breakdown is, you can't possibly hope to manage your time differently. So how do you sort that breakdown out? Do you do like a timesheet if you're yeah, working so for yourself? I've, I've developed a five-step process. Um, and the second step, which is the critical step, is mapping. And that's where you map your time over a couple of days. Um, and I provide you with timesheets so that you can map your time. And I'm not sort of saying, oh, one hour in a meeting, um, 35 minutes, um, you know, working on a proposal. Yeah. I mean five minutes in the shower. 10 minutes to make my brekkie, 20 minutes to drive to work, you know, five So it goes down calls. to that level of Absolutely detail. Absolutely down to that level of detail. And it's, it's, it's funny because without, has, uh, without question, every single client says to me, this is really irritating, you know, having to yeah, do this. Yeah, because you've got to write it down. You've got to, oh, five, my, five, it. Five, down. So you just carry your pen. <laughs> you and just, just carry it with you. Yeah. All you have to do is for two or three days. Um, but again, then without exception, everyone says to me, that's the most incredible thing I've ever done because I can see now how erratic yeah, I am, yeah. how many interruptions I'm getting, how I'm trying to multitask the whole time. Yeah. And it just gives them a very, very clear picture of how they're spending their day. So it's like a food diary. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's yeah. a good incentive to make the change yeah, yeah. because you can see how erratic your day is. Yeah. Um, well, it's, but like, also, it's like holding a mirror up to yourself, which is always very confronting. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we're creatures of habit, so we tend to get up and do the same things each day in the same way. Um, and until we know what those bad habits are, by mapping that time, we can't possibly know what we need to change. Yeah. Now, it's interesting with the concept of change. I'm going to focus on that word because our next guest is a life coach. And uh, and she is looking at it from a mindset perspective because a lot of this stuff is about self-awareness, getting motivated, um, all in the mind, I suppose, as well as some practical tools, which is your area of expertise as well. But our next guest is, uh, is a regular here. She is taking care of businesses own life coach and her name is Mary Unwin and she is founder of Walk Tall Personal and Professional Development Coaching. Mary Unwin, welcome back to Taking Care Hello Jackie, of good to be back again, thank you. It's good to have you here. Now let's talk about change within relation to time and also another concept of that is not feeling guilty mm -hmm. for doing stuff that I'm sure, Kate, that you'd find that people would, from a time perspective, go, oh, but I feel guilty if I spend too much time or not enough time. What, I what, think it's what's about, going on there? I think the key, the initial key is to know exactly what you want. So if, the if there is a change in the air, whether it's something that's happening to you or one that you're initiating, Jackie, that you know what your outcome is for you, what will be a success for you for, with a particular project or a new idea. And then from then on, really committing some action to that so that it, you get an outcome that you want within a time frame. Right. And so what about creating habits, Kate? Is that something that you encourage your clients to do? Yes. Look, it's, it's critical to the process because um, when it comes to managing your time smarter, you're having to change and break down your own habits, but also very often the habits of the people around you because your children or your partner or your business partner or the people around you have come to rely on the way you work and mm. the habits you have and you're having to break their habits of reliance on you as well as your own habits and I completely agree mm. with Mary about that the guilt piece um, 
particularly um, working mothers or business mm-hmm. women who have children, there's a huge overlay of guilt there um, when it comes to managing their time, um, feeling that they're not spending enough time with the kids, but then yep. feeling guilty when they leave work early or that they aren't devoting the amount of time they can to their business. So, you know, that self-awareness and that guilt piece is huge in trying to change those time management yeah. habits. Now, I know that you, Kate, spend a lot of time working with women and, Mary, mm, you do a certainly. lot of work working with women. Is this gender-specific, this issue? Look, I, I, it's not. I mean, everybody could do with managing their time smarter. Um, I think where it becomes more specific is that women are often more inclined to recognise that they need some assistance in that area and they're more prepared to ask for help. Um, I think that um, the, the men that I work with predominantly will come to me because their wives have worked with me previously and mm. said, okay, I now want you to work my, with my husband. Um, so... It's, it's not gender specific, but I think women are just prepared to actually identify that it's a skill they don't have and that they want to bolster. Well, we've got uh, Derek Rowe from the Australian Institute of Management on a little bit later in the program. So I'm gonna, we're gonna ask him that gender question to see if he, from a male perspective, if he's noticed some common threads of that as well. I think what I'd add to that, Jackie, is that there's, uh, within us all, there is masculine and feminine energy. The masculine energy is the one that's making the decisions. Sometimes the feminine energy is the one that's getting caught up with distractions like family. And really for the small business owner, we're in the business of saying yes to ourselves and our businesses and our routines or our, our day list. And sometimes, therefore, being prepared to say no to other what seem to be distractions. Yeah. What's your view, Kate, on uh, power bursts? So saying, okay, I'm going to you know, dedicate five minutes or ten minutes. Is there a certain time? How does that work? Look... In terms of power bursts, I, I often call it an hour of power, mm-hmm. um, and I think you're best to spend those power bursts at the time that you're freshest in the day. Um, so I always say do not go to work and open up your emails first thing. The oh, worst really? Thing, Why? Yep, because your daily agenda is then being dictated to you by other people. <gasps> so you are receiving a litany of emails and issues and concerns and help me do this and that just sets you off on a track of being reactive for the rest of the day Um, so you should always go if you're freshest in the morning that first half an hour to hour should be your hour of power where you don't look at your emails you have your phone off and you work on the most important priority for that day you're fresh you're energized um, you're in control you're dictating your agenda for the day and that gives you a sense of, of real power going into the day and then when it comes to emails and phone calls have blocks of time during the day for you know 30 minutes 40 minutes maybe three times a day where that's your email time and you go in during those times and deal with email and then in between times turn it off and get on with the business of running your business. Yep. Oh, I love that we're listening mm. smarter, not harder here on Taking Care of Business, which is at the hour of power. And uh, we're going to continue this fascinating discussion with Kate and Mary on the other side of this break. So we'll be right back after this. Time is precious, I know. So you are listening to the Hour of Power here at Taking Care of Business with our time management experts, Kate Christie and Mary Unwin from Walk Tall. Kate, I just wanted to finish off just before the break. We were talking about the use of email, and that's I've written that down because that's something I I do, and I'm sure a lot of people do do as well. First thing is look at your emails from overnight. What other technology uh, time wasters should we be aware of, and what can we do to mm. counteract it? Probably a key one: social media. 
Um, of course, you know, yeah. people spend the day flitting in and out of Facebook, um, and and oftentimes you don't actually appreciate how much time you're spending on on Facebooks. Mm. But for example, and I. I Always encourage people to cost their time in terms of how they're spending their time. You know, your, your time is money. Yep. So, for example, if you charge your clients $50 for an hour of your time, um, then and you spend an hour a day on Facebook, that's costing you $18,250 a year. Ooh. Ah, That's a good way to look at it, isn't it? It sure is. So like always that. think about your time as money. And, and yeah. technology can be a huge drain on that. And whilst there's... A lot of apps out there that help you manage your time smarter. Don't hunt around for the latest and greatest. Ask your friends, what are you using? What works best for you? And then learn one thing really, really well and use it well. Yeah, do um, time blocks work? So uh, it works for me, but I don't know. Is that work for everyone or not for some where you actually, you know, say for the next 15 minutes, I'm just going to focus on this one thing? Or... Yeah, it does. You, sh- you should end your day with a to-do list of everything you're going to do for the next day and prioritise okay. that. So, sorry to interrupt. So not do the, to- the-, the to-do list for that day in the morning to do it the night before. Night before. Yep. Oh, why then, is that? Because you get all the clutter out of your head. Ah, you go yeah. to bed knowing that you've got a bit of an agenda for the next day. Yeah. And again, it's a control thing. You, you go to bed in control. Oftentimes your brain is working away while you're asleep and Mary can probably comment on that. Absolutely. And then you wake mm. up really, really refreshed. And then the other thing you do with your to-do list is that you allocate how much time you think things are going to take so that when you get into your time blocks the next day, you've got your three most important tasks. You've got a very good idea of how long they're going to take you to um, to complete and then you manage your time that way with your time blocks. Yeah, the uh, top three, I, I was taught that a long time ago and I use that. Uh, I do a top three for the week. So Monday morning, I write my top three and say, by Friday, close a business. These are the three priorities for the week to do. Mm-hmm. And I do business ones and I do personal ones. And uh, and then I do top three each day. But I do them in the morning. So what I should be doing is the night before. I think you might sleep better, Jackie. Maybe. Your evenings go. It's because you've set aside your work and you've had a distinctive end to the day. Mm. I'm sure Kate would agree with this. Absolutely. And you're actually... And knowing that you're in control for the next day but not having to keep paying attention to it. Make my dreams much less entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of working from home, what are some tips for those that are working from home, particularly those micro-businesses that are working by themselves? So they're not dictated by external factors, like they're in an office and there's other people around or um, people reminding them of the time or there's a meeting coming up where you've got a whole day, for instance, in the home office with no distractions you've got some projects to do and time can sort of warp a little bit what are some tips for working from home i I think when you're working from home you just need to be very careful to be disciplined about your time Mm. spent because whilst there might not be those obvious distractions such as a colleague popping in or um, a meeting that you've got to dash off to at the other end of town there'll be less obvious distractions um, the postman comes, someone delivers something by, you know, the courier comes or you hear the washing machine's finished and you think, oh, I might just go put a load out. <laughs> so it's it's about recognising that there are small interruptions and, yeah. and focusing on your blocks of time. Um, to start with, have a 15-minute block uh, if you're finding it challenging to really discipline and sit down and not be distracted. Yeah. You know, the whole, oh, there's a pretty butterfly. Mm. Um have start with your 15 minute blocks and then gradually increase those 
But it's also very important when you're working from home not to sit at your desk and just get totally immersed in what you're doing for hours. Uh, you will always operate best when you take regular breaks, even if it's a matter of getting up for five minutes, going out, walking to the post box or just getting some fresh air. Uh, for every, for even as little as a 15-minute break, your productivity will improve by 23%. Wow. So give yourself breaks and schedule them in. Schedule mm. break time in. What about the idea, and someone gave this to me and I'm just about to implement it to see if it's going to work, but the stand-up desk. So you can buy these um, contraptions that you put on your desk and you can then move them. That you can work standing up and then you can push them down and work sitting down. So it's good for ergonomically with bad backs and things like that but that could also shift as a bit of a change do you think that would work from a time perspective or not is it more ergonomic (laughs) i think it's more ergonomic because i I actually spoke to someone about that recently um because thinking okay this is actually not a bad idea and he said it really depends on your personal work style if you're the sort of person who can sit for two hours and get totally immersed in something then you're going to stand for two hours and get totally immersed in something Mm. um so that's not going to be any better for your back than if you're sitting so it's it's a i think it's an ergonomic thing and it's it's probably a mindset thing where you've got to train yourself to move around a bit right okay yeah i'd say go for flexibility so perhaps have if you've got one that you can move around jackie yeah have um half an hour at one level and then do the stand tall thing and stand up for a change to create the sense of starting a new task or just moving the body, livening up the mind. Yeah, moving the body, that's yep. the thing, isn't it? Because that's then going to help with your brain. Absolutely. Speaking of your brain, back in the 1950s or 40s, uh, the advertising world was telling us that smoking was not bad for us. I don't know if we're saying it was good for us, but it certainly said, oh, smoke on smoke, 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 smoke. It won't affect you. Well, we now know that was uh, a lie or a myth. Another myth or a lie that I compare that to is the concept of multitasking. Kate, does that annoy you as much as it annoys me, that you cannot multitask? Look, it, it annoys and amuses me, I think. Um, you have so many people, and, and women will often say, oh, I'm so great at multitasking, and my husband just can't multitask Yeah, it's like a all. sense of pride. It's, it's not a badge of honour. Stupid. Um, it, it really <laughs> is um, very, very – it's probably the worst thing you can do in terms of maintaining productivity. You know, the studies out of the States and um, other countries have proven now that every time you multitask, and that could be as simple as working on something and you hear your phone ping and you quickly just turn on your phone and have a look at an email, that's multitasking. Mm. That simple action will reduce your productivity by up to 40%. 40%, yes, I've read that yeah. too. So the brain flips. So every time your brain flips from a task to another one, you're losing 40%, 40%. Of, your, of your performance. But do you know what annoys me the most? It's encouraging mediocrity. And that's what annoys me. It's not exactly. It's not working towards a sense of excellence. It's not. And if you think about a standard hour, and if you're juggling a number of different tasks during that hour then you're working at 60% of efficiency for that hour of time. And and who wants to do that? No. Um, the other thing they say is that when you're multitasking, uh, and Mary and I were talking about this during the break, when you then switch back to the original task you were working on, it takes you about seven or eight minutes to get back on track. So that's lost time. That's lost time. That's lost time. And multitasking includes everything 
like, you know, a, a colleague coming and interrupting, can I have five minutes of your time? Um, or the phone going and, and answering the phone whilst you're working on something. All of those things constitute multitasking and it is the worst possible thing you can do. It's, uh, it's like um, I was listening to a neuroscientist talk about multitasking recently and she described it, she says, we are like an internet browser with lots of tabs opened. In our mind. That's a great analogy. Mind. It's a really good analogy, isn't it? Uh, but I thought what was interesting was when she was talking about this brain flipping, which is the neuroscience side of it, uh, and that we are doing things less well. But she said that multitasking isn't eating your lunch while you're on Facebook. That's not multitasking because multitasking is actually having something that you actually really need to think about when you're eating your lunch you're into automatic modes you're not actually not thinking too much about eating so that would not be a task and then scrolling through facebook you're not really in you know thinking too hard about that so that can be um misleading for some people too that's right i mean there are good i like to have the distinction in terms of multitasking versus using all of your time well so for example um Driving the car, if you've got an hour's commute, listen to some educational and business podcasts. Listen to Jackie's show. You know, that's not multitasking. That's just using all of your time well. Yeah. Versus being in the office and having multiple tabs open in your brain and on your computer, that's multitasking. That's the stuff that doesn't work. How do you deal with professions that are always running late so you go to the doctor you go to the dentist and you've got an appointment at a certain time and you turn up five or ten minutes prior to that time and you're sitting there waiting for 20 minutes half an hour it's such a waste of time how do you how do you manage that so I always encourage you to have a list of five minute tasks ten minute tasks that you can have in your diary or in in the notebook that you carry with you um if a meeting finishes early for 10 minutes or if you're traveling between meetings or you're waiting at the doctors have those list of tasks that you can do one of the best absolutely is to have a list of people in your network that it's important for you to stay in touch with but you just don't seem to get the time to call them have their names and their telephone number and then ring them if you find yourself with that snap you know, the little snapshot of time or time confetti, if you like, um, ring them and frame the discussion so that they're not expecting a half hour call. You know, hi, Mary, it's Jackie. I had 10 minutes to spare and I was thinking of you. How have you been? And you're staying in touch with your network and it's, it's just a fantastic use of your time. I like that time confetti. Actually, that could be the title of your next book. (laughs) When did you write this book? Uh, at the end of 2014. And uh, it's called Time with a focus on ME. Me Time. Oh, it's Me Time. Oh, so it's yes. back to front. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. It's very clever. Uh, and you have Janine Ellis, who's uh, Boost and also on Shark Tank has uh, endorsed it. If you listen more than you talk, it's amazing what you learn is what she, she wrote. Uh, and, uh, and it's a best-selling author. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so people, much. if they're looking for a great book to read, uh, it is called Me Time, but it's Time, T-I-M-E, with a focus around the M-E. I'll put a link to our Facebook page for our listeners to, to uh, access it. You can get it on Amazon.com. Yes, or on my website, which is timestylers.com. Wonderful. Well, on the other side of this break, we're going to be chatting with Derek Rowe from Australian Institute of Management, which will be – you don't know Derek, do you? No. So that'll be good because uh, – and you don't know him no, either, Mary. No, I have Great. Uh, so I'd like you to hear what Derek has to we say. Can we can ask him some hard questions. We can ask him some hard questions. We can see how he's using his time. <laughs> we are exactly. Uh, thank you for listening. You're on Ottawa PFM, and we'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. We are talking all about time today. And our next guest is a time management speaker, thinker and trainer with the Australian Institute of Management. Derek Rowe, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Jackie? Really good, thank you. And I assume you're well? I'm very well. I'm moving house today. I've got one of those rare days that I aim for where I have one thing to do for the entire day. I even talk to you. I love, I love that, that focus. Now, I thought it was a good place to start off. I've got Kate Christie and Mary Unwin in the studio talking about time management. And I don't know if you had a chance to listen earlier, but we're talking about if there are any differences in gender. So I thought from a masculine perspective and your training, do you have mainly males come to these, to your time management? courses or a mixture or what's your view on that? I find it probably 50-50 but I do believe I I would have a few less working mums come to the course. I think that one of the things that research has shown is if you've got a hard time target to be somewhere for, for example if you have a medical condition and you need treatment or if you're a, if, if you're a parent who has to leave to pick up kids or whatever you, you tend to see um, your working day as a finite rather than infinite thing. And therefore, you tend to become a lot more efficient with the time you have. So I, I would suggest where gender comes into it is um, working mums. Probably there's a few more of those and there are working dads. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's that I have to be somewhere at 4.45 and I know I'm going to get um, um, my backside kicked by the school if I'm late. So I'd better get out of work on time. And therefore, they're striving for more efficiency at work. Right. And what about um, work-life balance? Is, is, is that still relevant these days? Well, um, it, it, it's a funny thing. Let, let's start with terms. I, I actually think we've, we're in denial with uh, our relationship with time. And that, that, that particular phrase, work-life balance, when I read it, I see the word work with a huge diagonal slash and then the word life. Um, and I like to think that we're moving towards, whether it's flexible work conditions, working from home, hot desking or whatever, I like the term life priority balance, where work just becomes one of those things I do across the day. It is exceptionally relevant. Um, we, 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 we need to feel like we're satisfied in general, and there's never a moment in my life where I'm not in a role, whether it's um, partner, whether it's consultant, whether it's son. There's always a role for me, and I need to you know, make that role relevant and therefore, you know, I have to be efficient at whatever I'm doing so I can fit all that stuff in. Derek, it's Kate. I, I agree that work-life balance is, is a, a bit of a, a myth, a bit of a furphy. I always try and imagine a, a perfectly parallel seesaw um, balancing everything and it just it doesn't make sense. Um, my The term I like to use is work-life integration. You know, we, we, nice. we all have... Um, dozens of aspects of our lives and factors in our lives and it's just about giving the priority to what's most important at that particular time. Yeah, well, the, the stuff I'm reading and, in fact, the way I like to to I live my life now is to just make now work and not think more than 24 hours ahead. Yeah, I can actually plan today as far as I like ahead, but I've got to make today work. Mm. You know, if I live in the past, I get resentful and if I live in the future, I get fearful. But if I live just mm. for today then I'm free of a lot of that resentment and fear and that allows me to focus on actually getting the next five minutes to work as opposed to the next five months or five years. 
Yeah, it's interesting, Derek. Uh, there was some research recently talking about uh, Gen Gen Z, which is coming into the work workplace. They're now twenty yep. and under, and and mm. particularly Gen Y and their work style, and uh, and they're very much about a blended work mentality. So the Gen Xs were or that work life balance, where the Gen Ys, and this is the real modern trend, and I, I really like it. This concept of a blended work that works part of me, it's not separate for me uh, and Correct. so sometimes you know I might need to leave work at three o'clock because I want to go and see school pick up the kids or I might, might want to not start till midday because I want to go to the school sports or I might have a personal appointment and and it's about balancing that to uh, focusing more on outcome driven work so saying okay I've got these three projects or tasks to complete by this deadline this is the outcome now you don't need to sort of work nine to five in an office anymore and I think that's a much more productive mentality for Gen Y. What do you think? I would agree entirely. You know, not a lot of work has gone on up until recently in the area of energy levels and I think Gen Y are driving this. Um, From what I can gather, the Germans are driving this. Um, They're a very efficient race uh, as a nation so I'm not surprised by that. Um, What they're finding is that that we have a 24-hour energy level pattern I'm a morning person. I'm a consultant as well. And I think more and more, um, whether I've got uh, a job within a business or not, I need to kind of work like a consultant where I I actually match the tasks to my energy levels as much as um, external work constraints. So I'm a morning person. I do all of my high brain thinking and creative planning by lunchtime because if I don't, if I actually think, oh, I've got to get something done, I'll do that that high brain function planning and thinking and creating at 4 p.m., I'll get up tomorrow at six, look at what I did and go, oh, that's terrible and have to rework it. And so the idea of, we're very big on this name, look at the type of work that you do and match different types of tasks in regard to complexity to times of the day when you're high level, medium level and low level energy. And, and people love that. And the feedback we get is that's one of the most useful things they get from our course is, oh, okay, something that seems impossible at 5 p.m. looks entirely doable at 9 a.m. But then employers must get on board and, and um, free up people's time to be able to work um, listening to their body and listening to their brain not just listening to what, you know, the, the Gantt chart's saying they have to do. Yeah, or doing those special tricks where I used to work with a guy who'd come in at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning, put his suit jacket on the back of his chair and then yes. disappear, it wouldn't come back till 10. And then I found out, I found out later as we became friends and uh, left the, the employment that he would come in, do that, or he'd leave his jacket there the night before and rock in mm-hmm. at 10. But anyone coming to say, you know, where's John? Oh, he must be in a meeting, but he hadn't actually turned up to work yet. It was just all these little, <laughs> little tricks because that was part of, uh, the formula for being promoted <laughs> in those days, you know, that yeah, you had to spend the hours. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I was exactly like that until I left the last last job I had, had the weekend off, became a consultant doing exactly the same work the next day, working for the same employer that I was working for three days before, and that employer's expectations of me and what I did entirely changed. I I became a consultant and all they cared about was how much and by when, and I would, you know, do the how much and by when, no problem. But, you know, five days, four days before, it was a completely different internal cultural expectation Mm. of where is he, what's he doing? And so it's about changing people's thinking. I believe the positive thinking already exists. It's just how we see team members. It's how managers actually go, well, all right, 
oh, what's my relationship to you? What's my role? If it's an external consultant, like just I'll see you in two weeks with the draft. See ya. Um, but with team members, like, you know, do I overmanage? Do I undermanage? All that kind of stuff. So I, the answers are already there inside of us. We just need to access them with a bit of open-mindedness and, and willingness. I think. Yeah, Derek, it's Kate. I, I agree with um, you know the, the energy level point you were making, and I think it's a lot easier for individuals to manage that when they're working in small business as opposed yes. to you know working for big corporate. Um, mm. And what I like to do with my clients, and I was talking to Jackie and Mary about this earlier, is mapping their time during the day, and then once we understand exactly what they're doing, it's then about mapping their time to match their energy levels, as you were suggesting. You should always start mm. the day. If you're a morning person, start the day on the high-priority strategic thinking tasks yep. um, and, and schedule the mundane process-driven kind of boring stuff for when you have a low-energy layer, you know, air, because that's when you can do it without sort of too much mindfulness. Well, yeah, what do you I think, Mary? I, I agree entirely. I think that when I'm high brain function, my, my desire to create, my desire to be big picture, my desire to think that what's the impact of this going to be on the, on the customer down the track, my brain wants to go there because it's, it's really engaged. To actually just blog out three hours of good, solid blog, the stuff that you have to now work at because you've done all the planning, now it, it's like I'm planning to drive to Sydney and now I've got to actually do the 10 hours. That's better done when you're not high brain, not high energy. And I also add, there's one other thing. If I'm really low energy, what I do is I save the tasks that actually energize me. I'm a people person, so I ring all my clients in the in the afternoon when I'm a little bit flat. That's Derek, can I just say, business, can know? I just respond to what you've said there? What what I think I'm hearing is it's about being fully present in the in the moment of what of the thing that you're doing and not allowing yourself to be distracted about what's going to happen next or yeah, what happened yeah. before, but being in that moment and therefore focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. And knowing your body and knowing and knowing exactly. your mind and when you, you need to place tasks. So at AIM what we believe in is a model called role relevance. And I created that model for them two thousand and seven. And the idea is rather than look at me and what I want to do. Um, so what I think is important, that can be a very subjective thing. And often we're so busy, we lose that sense of focus and mindfulness. What we like to do is say, well, actually, pull out your role description and go, well, that's, that's your role. Your job is to make your role relevant, whether it's parent, whether it's manager. Make your role relevant. Know your role and make your role relevant to that larger context. I certainly agree with that, Derek. And I think it's for me, it's also about looking at your day and focusing and monitoring the day. How am I yeah. making a difference to the people I serve, my clients, my customer base, whoever they are, how am I making a difference in what I'm doing right now? So yeah, what are the results that, going to be at the end of the day that are going to bring me forward, bring my business forward and serve my customers or my clients? That's almost the good old-fashioned word, altruism. And look, I mean, in the end, work has to produce something for someone else. I like to look at, when I work with, my, with, with, with people, I go, how many of the things you did today just benefited you and no one else? Um, and at times we need to do that when we need to recharge. But at work, you know, we can blow off a lot of time just kind of going, well, I don't, I'm not enjoying myself. I'll do something to make me feel okay. Um, and that's when we can get into trouble because a bit of that's fine. Derek, uh, we, uh, yeah. we're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> that precious resource that we're talking I about. Know, I know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's, it's been wonderful listening to, to what you've got to say. And just to finish off just quickly... The number one tip for anyone listening from Derek Rowe from the Australian Institute of Management, what would you like to leave us with? 
I would like to leave you with five minutes in the morning, almost as soon as you get up, after your morning ablution, the basic stuff, find five minutes and, and become meditative and just quietly and calmly in a meditative state, just work out what you need to do today. Five minutes before you get going can make an entire difference to the next 24 hours. That's a game changer, Derek. Yeah, I love it. All right, Derek Rowe, thank you very much for your time. And next time we'll, uh, we'll actually drag you into the studio. How about that? I might even drive there f- with my free will. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that even better. <laughs> no, no, I've got quite other concept of dragging you down. But no, if you want to come down on your own, that'd be great. I- I'd love to do that. Yeah, really appreciate your time. My pleasure. You're listening to Taking Care of Business exclusively here on RPPFM. We'll be right back after this. I am going to tell you the time. It's coming up to 10 to 12. That was Martha Davis from the Motels. I do like that song. We are talking about time today with uh, Kate Christie and Mary Unwin. Kate Christie from Time Stylers and Mary Unwin from Walk Tall Life Coaching. Uh, One thing that I wanted to quickly touch on uh, before we finish up today talking about how to manage our time better. Uh, it was some research that was done last year, I think, out of Canada. It was talking about our attention span. And as humans, our attention span used to be around 12 seconds. Uh, and latest research says it's now gone down to eight seconds and a goldfish is nine seconds. <laughs> so we're less than a goldfish. And they're attributing that to technology and smartphones particularly. Now that has an impact on so many levels uh, in a business, particularly marketing and how you engage with customers. And it's also promoted the uh, concept of more visual that you can actually say a lot through video and, and photos. How though has that impacted managing your time, Kate? It's a huge impact. And I think it's concerning as well when we look at our kids and how device driven they are. And it makes me mm. worry for the future of business. Um, but the attention span work, uh, Microsoft actually did the study on that. Mm. And it is definitely device driven. You know, we are constantly accessible. And that is very much limited in impact uh, our ability to concentrate. I like to... Um, sorry, talk- sorry, what did, what, what, what did you say? I, mean, it, I wasn't listening. She uh, wasn't <laughs> I was just about to repeat it. (laughs) That was mean. Uh, um, I like to um, use the analogy of the boiling frog so that if you put a frog into a pot of boiling water, it will immediately jump out because it feels the danger. But if you were to put a frog into a tepid pot of water and slowly increase the heat, the, the frog will boil to death. It'll cook. And... That's a really lovely analogy in terms of the way that this lack of being able to concentrate is creeping up on us. Um, as humans, we don't perceive that danger. It's mm. not an immediate threat. Yeah. It's a threat that's slowly sneaking up on us. And it's impacting the way we work. It's impacting the way our kids are going to be able to work. And I think it's going to be very impactful just in terms of how you get your job done during the day. So what can we do to manage it or counteract it? I think that we need to be very, very careful about being device-driven. I think that turning your emails off and blocking time for emails, turning your phone off and blocking times to return phone calls, um, lose the obsession with constantly walking around with your phone in your hand. You know, you walk down the street and everyone has their phone in their hand. Um, Just live in the moment. Um, And 
and don't be obsessed with with your device because then trying to break that habit it, it's a compulsive behavior and mm. it's it's like giving up smoking it's very very hard to get people away from their emails and their devices so kate what i think i'm reminding you of is derek talked to us, to us about meditation and so that cuts into that time that we're outwardly directed towards devices or towards other people and gives us inward time to be more conscious for the rest of the day about how our day will go according to our plans rather than according to what's happening externally in terms of stimuli that come from beyond. Absolutely. From it's about controlling your own agenda for the exactly. day, not reacting to other people's agendas via that medium of the, of the phone. Exactly. That's been a key theme today is not reacting to other people's agenda. I think that's been a real takeout for me particularly. Uh, Mary, I want to just touch on quickly the concept of perfectionism. Uh, and those that have that, and I, I'm one of them, uh, is that you know you tend to maybe spend too much time on something that mm -hmm. doesn't actually warrant it. So this is certainly something that comes up with clients of mine, and I talk about it in workshops. Um, perfectionism means that you're not going to complete the task because it's not quite perfect, mm. according to who. So perfectionism, what is it? What is that? And let it go as being some nirvana of possibility and just I actually talk about pressing the send button or pressing the print button allowing the task to be what it is as a work in progress and move on to the next thing or move away and come back and review it later or send the document to someone for an opinion yeah rather than waiting for some impossible unknown perfection which means we don't finish our tasks and we spend too long messing about on the final stages yeah I think um I, I do that to manage it. And the other thing, too, that's been quite inspirational for me from a professional perspective has been this disruptive technology. Uh, and it's almost this fail-fast mentality of, like, don't have to be 100%. Make it 80%. Get it out there and keep it a work in progress yeah. and then tweak it. And that, for me, was a mindset. Mm. And that made a huge difference. And it's the mindset of making a mistake. So it's okay yeah. to be a work in progress, to make a mistake, to learn, learn from it. it. And then take the 80% up to 101. Yep. Yeah. And, and from a practical kind of implementation perspective, a way that you can then manage that is to set very hard deadlines. So don't let your deadlines oh, become deadlines. loose. Yeah. So you, you don't then allow the time to creep in where you're making things perfect, tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. You have that deadline, you work to the deadline and complete the task exactly. to the extent that you can within that deadline. Oh, that's wonderful. So you're adding the metrics, the numbers, the figures, the time that you'll finish the task. That's it. Yeah, that's I love, I love a deadline. Mm. But you've got to be accountable to it. So if you're working by yourself, how do you become accountable to a deadline? Well, it's about the discipline. It's okay. about the discipline yep. of any habit that we're trying to instill in terms of managing our time smarter. Yep. Um, it's about writing down the basics in the sticky note on the computer and just living by those. And, and, and Start with one or two. You don't have to change everything at once. It's probably worse if you do because you'll fail. So yeah. start with you know, a few things that you need to change. And varying up the workplace too was another tip. So those that are struggling with the discipline, go to a coffee shop or and these shared workplaces, which is becoming a real yes, trend the hubs. now. Yep. The hubs, you know, these hot desks you can hire for half a day or a day and you meet other people and stuff. That that's actually can be quite effective for managing your time as well. 
I think so. It just and it gives you that sense of camaraderie, particularly yeah, if, if you're, you're working it. on your own yeah. and just bouncing ideas off other people yes. can be very stimulating. But I think it makes you behave better because you actually are in public, so <laughs> yeah. you are going to keep to the deadline. I like that behaviour. It's a really good point, and that leads us as we come to the end of our show. I always like to finish on an inspirational and upbeat note. So it's time for our pearls of wisdom. Welcome to Taking Care of Businesses. Pearls of Wisdom with Jackie Mitchell. That music, I love that music in the background. Kate Christie from Time Stylers, thank you so much for coming on the show today, but I know you'd love to leave us with a pearl of wisdom. What would that be? So my pearl of wisdom is that you need to make time to find your lost time. You have to invest in making some changes so that you get your time back. You can't just wave a wand. You actually have to invest in this process and be committed to finding the time you're losing. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We'll put a link to your book, which uh, everyone should read, and uh, and also to your um, website as well. So if people want to find out a bit more about Kate Christie from Time Stylers, uh, it will be easy to find. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, and hopefully you'll come back. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Jackie. Love Good it. to meet Loved you, Kate. <laughs> Mary Unwin. Your pearl of wisdom, please. Well, mine has to be about walk tall, doesn't it, Yes, Jackie? it does. So I'm yes. suggesting that if when you're walking tall in your business, whether you're with people or whether you're alone, find the balance between thinking and actions. So you're actually creating a balance in your day with planning and reviewing and being in the head and being active in the body, taking action, whether it's out there uh, delivering services to clients or whatever you're doing. Not too much time on thinking because we drift off and get into bad habits. Not too much time, all action, no technique. Bring some technique to your actions. Balance it with thinking. I love that. And I love from a branding perspective that you've used your brand name You've linked it into your key message and your pearl of wisdom. Well, well done. Tall is open heart and get well the work done. done. Thank I like you. that. No, Thanks, it's very, very good. I like that from a branding perspective. Very, very impressed. The branding expert, Jackie Mitchell. Yes, well, my takeout today has been not to check my emails first thing in the morning. I'm going to do that. Thank you, Kate, for that tip. I'm sure that's going to make a huge difference to, to my I day. I'll follow you up to make we'll sure. Test yes, yes, please we'll do. Test you. Yes, please do. See, always room for improvement, continuous improvement. Always I a work love in it. progress. Uh, again, thank you also to Derek Rowe uh, from Australian Institute of Management who contributed to today's very much, uh, very informative and inspirational, lots of tips and advice on how to manage our time better. Uh, you've heard lots of advice today and uh, you'll find more detail on our Facebook page and podcast on the Artable PFM website. We look forward to your company next Friday at 11am. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business.